Well, happy Easter, Imago Day. It is good to be with you, even though this is such a very odd way to celebrate Easter. A couple of things that we want to celebrate. One is just your generosity. Over the last several weeks, as we have had to switch gears and move church to inside your living room, you have continued to give generously and abundantly, and we're just so grateful for that. We also want to celebrate that we have met our $50,000 match. And so for those of you who contributed to that, we're just so thankful for that. And continue to give to those things uh, as the months ahead prove that they will probably be pretty challenging. And we want to be able to continue to love and serve our city and our neighbors and the people at our own community who are in need. You know, as I was thinking about how do you celebrate Easter when we're so used to big sort of pageantry in uh, a big room full of people and everybody's just upbeat and, and we love how we get together and celebrate Easter. And this year is very different than that. And we can't really pretend that it's not. Obviously, you sitting at home, me in my home, uh, separated, this isn't how we normally do Easter. And yet it is a time that I think we are perhaps more than ever prepared to hear from God and prepared for the message of resurrection. You know, I've done uh, silent retreats or retreats by myself, and I notice that when I have a, a day or two, maybe three days, it always takes me a long time to just be present. First, I have to go through the process of just all the work and all the things that my mind is always chasing and racing after. And then uh, you kind of go through the boredom phase, right? And it's, this whole thing has very much been like that, I think, for all of us on a much grander scale. There isn't a movie that I'm excited to watch. I'm tired of my books that I've read. You know, you just come to the end of that. And we've gone through the franticness and we've gone through sort of the making ourselves busy. We've pushed into even boredom at times. And now we're here and we're present to ourselves. We're present to ourselves. We're present to those we live with. And things start to surface, right? And this is a time when we can finally start to hear God, start to pay attention to God, to notice the things in our own heart that God is surfacing, and to listen to his own rhythms and invitations to us as we, as we are in this place at this moment. When I think about Easter and when I think about resurrection and the hope that we have in Jesus, um, I think of what a timely message that is for us. And so what I want to do today is share with you some thoughts that actually were shared with me. I had the privilege this week of hosting a webinar with N.T. Wright. And uh, after I was done, I'm like, man, my whole message is going to change now. But, but one of the places that he took us is John chapter 20. And it's a place that I want to spend some time in this morning as we think about this amazing reality that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. 
The empty tomb, it says in John 20, verse 1. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, they started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. And he went over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him, went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and he believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. When Jesus rose from the dead, as we celebrate his death and resurrection, on Good Friday, as he died upon the cross in our place, and on Sunday, as he rose again. But there is something much bigger that's taking place, and John is alluding to it in this gospel. The thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross and through the empty tomb is new creation. The hope for the world that goes all the way back to Abraham and through the Old Testament and finds its fulfillment in Jesus is that God would take his good creation and he would put it right again. He would redeem it and ransom it from the evil forces in the world for the power of sin and death, and he would set it right and that includes us, humanity, the pinnacle of God's creation, the imago Dei, we who bear the image of God, that God would put us right, and then he would put creation right. And even as we sit in a pandemic, we know, something internally just knows, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And the reason that we know that is because we were made for a good creation that didn't have sin and death and evil forces in it. And so what Jesus did on Good Friday was, yes, he died for our sin, but something much bigger, much more cosmic was taking place in, in that he was freeing the world from sin and death, and he was unleashing new creation into the world through his resurrection. And, and new creation steps into our life 2,000 years later. It continues to show up because in the midst of the old creation, which is still where we are, and we know that creation is groaning, right? It, it hasn't been redeemed. But the, the future has broken into the present, the future when heaven and earth are set right and the world is as it should be, including us, has broken into the, this moment through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. New creation has come and he is the firstborn of those who will be resurrected with glorified bodies. And so we have this great hope that wasn't simply the hope of heaven after death, but the hope of a new creation 
with bodies that are restored with incorruptible physicality. That is what Jesus has here. As he resurrects from the grave, he starts to show up in the lives of the disciples in a resurrected body. And he now is the king that is reigning over this new creation. And so the first place that he appears, he appears to Mary Magdalene and he shows up in the midst of her sorrow. Look at verse 11. It says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And she, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And Mary went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. One of the places that new creation shows up first through Jesus is in our tears. He shows up with this resurrection hope. You can imagine Mary is is sitting there. She's weeping at the tomb. She's, she's grieving, right? She's grieving death. And, and as many of us have experienced and many are experiencing in our world right now, that death is the ultimate grief because it's the ultimate loss. And she's feeling all of those feelings that you have felt when you've lost loved ones. And Jesus steps into that moment of her tears And he says to her, Mary, why are you looking for the living among the dead, essentially? He says, Mary, I am here. And she knows at once that this is the one. This is her teacher. This is her Lord. And Jesus' promise is that he has unlocked something for her. He says, I have not yet ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Resurrection shows up in our greatest pain. And Jesus, who continues to bear the the wounds of his crucifixion, he shows up in the midst of those tears. He holds those tears and announces to her that, in fact, he has conquered death. Not only has he conquered death, but he has opened the way for his father, the God of the universe, to be her father and your father, for his God to be your God. And so Jesus unites us with the father through his death and resurrection. And and what the promise of the gospel is, is that what God did for Jesus, he will do for us as well. He will resurrect us. He will raise us. He will unite us to the Father. That what has happened to Jesus is happening and going to happen 
in the lives of those who believe in him. And so he has this great encounter with Mary and meets her in her tears that turn to joy. And brothers and sisters, lament is one of the gifts that God has given us in the scriptures. And if there was ever a time for lament, this is a time when we see death seeming to reign in our news and around the world. And yet Easter is the announcement, the eternal proclamation that death does not have the final say. That death, though it still stings and we grieve it, is not the unanswerable end, but that resurrection is. Because the one who we have trusted in has defeated death. And that's why we celebrate Easter, as Mary is the first one to encounter the risen Lord. And instead of tears, her tears turn to joy as she announced, I have seen the Lord. It is the announcement of a witness. And I, I hope that if you're watching today and that you haven't yet declared that you have believed in Jesus Christ, that you would consider doing that today. For those of us who have believed in him for some time, today is a fresh day for us to remember that Jesus is alive and that he is risen and that he takes our tears. He doesn't ask you to, to mask them or hide them. They're real, but he can turn those tears into hope because he has conquered the grave. And the next place that he steps is into a room. He steps into a room where the disciples are gathered. And if you think about what has taken place, right? Jesus has been arrested. He's been tried. He's been found guilty, though he committed no crime. And he's been crucified. And all of his followers have scattered. And so they're in this room and they're hiding and they're in this room fearful. It says in verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. This is a, a scene that is very appropriate for us today because most of us are sitting inside, right? And our doors are locked and we're inside because we're fearful. We're fearful that, that out there we might run into somebody who has this virus and, and everybody is sort of in fear right now. You go to the grocery store and people don't want to look you in the face. You pass by people on the street and everybody kind of moves away. And it is into that fear that Jesus steps and speaks his new creation peace. Peace be with you. He says it two times. And the peace that he is, he is announcing is shalom. It is the peace that existed before the world fell apart. It is the idea that all is right in the world between us and God and us and each other and us in creation, our physical lives and our creation that we live within. 
We know the reason that we're locked inside right now is because all is not right. And yet, new creation has been brought forth through Jesus' resurrection. And he says to us, peace be with you. And the peace that he is offering us is this peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. This beautiful scene of Jesus breathing on them the Holy Spirit is the same imagery that comes from Genesis 1 and 2 in the creation account when God breathed the world into place. He breathed life into Adam and into Eve. And so Jesus now breathes this new creation life through the Holy Spirit into the disciples. There's this weird little, you know, phrase about forgiving people's sins or not forgiving them sins. But what he's saying there is that that as those who have trusted in Jesus now become the signs and the agents of new creation. We become the signpost that have experienced that the world that is to come is actually here right now. We have tasted it by the Holy Spirit. When we come to Jesus and we place our faith in him to be our Lord and our forgiver and our King, the Holy Spirit enters our life and gives us new life. It regenerates us. That's the biblical word. It's new creation. The Apostle Paul says that if anybody's trusted Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. Behold, everything is new. And this new creation, he breathes onto them and into them through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is bringing new creation to bear right now in the world. And when we talk of signs and agents, one of the things that we have seen through this pandemic is the church rise up. And we have seen so many believers moved with generosity to give towards needs. Others who have stepped into those places of fear that exist in our culture. And they step in with the peace of Jesus saying, peace be with you, in a sense. They show up with tangible needs the kingdom of God breaking in through his people who are signs and agents of new creation that say, yes, I know that you're a single mom and you need diapers, but here the people of God have come in Jesus's name. I know that you're hurting and you're scared, but here they come, the people of Jesus bringing resurrection and new creation life. And so when we think about our fears that we have, and they're very real, Today, we announce that Jesus has overcome our greatest fear, which is death. And that death, while it still stings, will one day be swallowed up altogether, will be defeated once for all. And everything within me, I don't know about you, knows that death should not exist, that there's, there's nothing about it that feels right or normal. And Jesus himself did not ignore that, but he took that death onto himself. He died in our place and he overcame our death with resurrection. He says to him, see my hands and my side. And that'll become much more important as we look at the next, at the next set of verses. 
here he shows up to Thomas. And one of the things that I love about Thomas is Thomas is the realist. He's the one who is always saying what's on his mind. He's not the good Christian that sort of just goes along with the flow. If he thinks Jesus is leading the disciples into a bad situation, he goes, sure, let us go. Let's die with him. He's always the one to speak his mind. And this moment's not any different. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Can you imagine that? Like being the guy that was out getting something when Jesus showed up? (laughs) Hey, you just missed him. Anyways, I think that's funny. Um, So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you who have seen me and you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen me and yet they still believe. This final picture of Jesus bringing resurrection is a picture of Jesus stepping into our doubts right? He steps into Mary's tears and sorrow. He steps in to the disciples' fear, and now he steps in to Thomas's doubt. And Thomas is a realist, and I don't know if you identify with Thomas. I know for me, I do. I find myself at times going, "Could is this really true? And I think we wrestle with this idea of new creation coming, that it actually has come in the person of Jesus. And we wrestle with it because the old creation seems so concrete, right? Pain, suffering, loss, they seem so unstoppable and so concrete, which is why Jesus tells him, Thomas, I don't want you just to buy this. He says, look at my hands and see the nail wounds. Look at my side where I was struck with the spear. Stop doubting and believe. His hands and his side are the are the pictures, the forever scars that Jesus will carry, even in his glorified body for all eternity. When you get to heaven and you wonder where, which one is Jesus, he will be the only one there who continues to carry those scars. Yours will be healed, but his, he has chosen for all eternity to be marked by the death on the cross. Why would that be? Well, it's because when he died on that cross, and defeated the evil forces of the world. He defeated sin. He defeated death. That as our king, he would forever be marked by his victory on the cross. Jesus is victorious over all the forces of old creation, the forces of death and destruction and all that goes into that. And so he says to Thomas, look and quit doubting and believe. 
I don't know how it is with you today, but my guess is that that many of you, some of you are doubting. And doubt is not something that the Bible ever, ever is afraid of. In fact, I feel like what some of the greatest moments I've had with God wasn't ignoring my doubt or walking away from my doubt, but pushing into my doubt, right? Saying, I don't know if this is true. And then reading the gospels and studying the scripture so that my heart and mind can be dealt with before God. Jesus is always one to welcome our doubts. He's not interested in apathetic doubt which just means, yeah, I don't know if I buy it. And and all I'm really doing there is just pushing it off. I don't want to think critically. I don't want to examine my heart. I don't want to really think about God. So I'm, I'm just an apathetic doubter. But a true doubter, a one that is really interested in what is true, someone who wants to know what ultimate reality is, but is carrying that sense of I'm not sure with them. That's the person that Jesus invites to say, come and test me. Read my gospel, study my resurrection. He's appeared before over 500 people that saw him alive. All they had to do was produce a body. That's not that hard when someone has died and you know where he's been buried and they couldn't do it. There is rational, spiritual, emotional, psychological reasons that the faith that we stand on and have stood on for 2,000 years is legitimate. But that doesn't mean that you don't have questions. And you are invited by Jesus to push into those questions. And what, what I've discovered and what so many have is that Jesus is everything he said he was. He is our crucified Savior. He is our resurrected King. He is currently reigning over all things. And as He's bringing this old creation and all the forces of evil to be in submission under His feet, then He will defeat death once and for all. Then God will be all in all. He will fill the world with His glory in the way that it is always meant to be. And currently, He is breaking into this old creation by his Holy Spirit, and he is making us new. And so what I want to invite you with is to test Jesus in that sense. Don't just be comfortable with an apathetic kind of doubt, but push in to your doubts. Be a seeker of truth and reality. And I trust, I I promise you that if you seek him, you will find him. He's not far from you. Jesus is still stepping in to people's fears, still stepping in to people's tears and sorrow, and he's still stepping in to people's doubt. I want you to hear a story uh, of a young woman who has met Jesus in just this way. Her name is Emily, and she has a beautiful testimony of experiencing the risen Lord. Good morning, Imago Day. My name is Emily, and it's Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to y'all. I, it's a wonderful day and gorgeous day, and I, I love Easter. And 
it's it's become more meaningful to me over the past couple years than it ever was before. I started at Imago two years ago on Easter Sunday. One of my very good friends had um, invited me to church and I had been hesitant because my history with Christianity and religion wasn't a very positive one. And so I hesitated, but this was someone that I really knew and really trusted. And I knew that this was something that was really important to him. And so I figured, you know what, might as well give it a shot. And so I came to Imago Day for the first time and it didn't stick. I maybe went once or twice that year. Part of my hesitancy was that I was not appropriately dressed. Uh, my clothes, I was probably wearing two day old clothes or a day old clothes and um, and I voiced this to my friend, who, to Adam, who had invited me <laughs> to church and he just shrugged at me and said, it, didn't, it doesn't matter, come as you are. Then last Easter, I decided to come back and uh, it stuck. So I wanted to get baptized because I felt that it was important, that it was important not just to accept these things in my heart and in my life, but to let other people know that I had accepted things in, in my heart and my life and that I had started down this path. And I wanted people to know, I wanted, I wanted my family to know. And that was a big, scary um, step for me to take because I didn't think they would be accepting and they were so very, very accepting. So I decided even amidst the, the virus, the concerns and everything like that, that I still wanted to be baptized. Adam and I went down into the water and there was a moment where right before going under, just recognizing all the things that that had come before and then being dunked under the water and being brought up into this new life. Very, it just reminded me a lot of, of Jesus's own death and, and his resurrection of, of the sacrifice that he made to save each and every one of us and how, we can still be us, but but renewed in in that moment of accepting Christ into our lives and into our hearts. Jesus is risen. Amen. Isn't that a great story? What God did for Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, He will do for us. What God did for Jesus when he rose from the dead he will do for all of creation and he is doing it right now by the holy spirit he is bringing people from spiritual death to spiritual life not just so that we can go to heaven when we die but so that we can experience the new creation right now the very presence of Jesus who brings us to his father by his spirit do you want to know Jesus like that? 
Do you want to experience this kind of resurrection hope? Do you want this new life by the Holy Spirit? Jesus is alive today, and he is ready to step into your life, to your fears, to your sorrows, to your doubt. And all you need to do, like Emily, is surrender, right? To give your life to him. And I want to help you do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I just ask you wherever you're at right now, just to bow your head with me. And, And if the Holy Spirit is drawing you to faith, then you just pray this prayer and agree with me in your heart as you take this step to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you that your death defeated the forces of evil in this world. And I thank you that you conquered death by raising from the dead three days later. Jesus, I thank you that you are reigning now as our resurrected King. And I ask that you would come into my life by your Holy Spirit, that you would forgive my sin and take my fears and take my sorrow and take my doubts and that you would be my Savior and my King. I pray these things in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me, we want to celebrate that today. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that, that God himself rejoices when anyone comes home to faith. And that's what you've just done, my brother or my sister. And so would you reach out to us so that we can have somebody, uh, a friend, call you, come alongside you, give you information that you need. So like Emily, you can be on this journey growing and going deeper into your newfound faith. You can text 3377, text the word risen to 33777 and someone will get in touch with you and pray with you and help you along the way. Or you can email risen at idcpdx.com. Either one of those will work, and we just want to help you along your journey of faith. Everyone, I miss you. I so wish we were about to hear a giant choir behind us and watch baptisms, but we know that we will get through this together. We will be back together soon, and until then, we just want to give God thanks that our God has defeated death. He has risen from the grave and his new creation has come. Amen. 